I mean, how can you not get excited for this? That's right. Oh, I hear the, where's the, the band? The band. <laughs> They're coming in behind you. <laughs> where's that coming from? The entire band is hanging out in the big helmet behind you. That's <laughs> this. This is how we do things in Louisiana. That's All right. right. That's right. I said we're going to talk about LSU on the podcast, and the band said we'll be there. Band just showed up. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. Coming at you every week to talk all the things that make us love sports. The games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. The Mark. I almost said The Mark's man. I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to go to The Walmart. Uh, I like indefinite articles, okay? <laughs> Can we just start over? Absolutely. Hey everybody and welcome back. It's another episode. Here we are, the Brew and Shavers Sports Podcast. You can watch us on YouTube or listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. And depending on your preference, whatever time you want to, we are out there on YouTube, whatever podcast platform. So thanks for joining us for another episode. Darren, it's good to see you. You've got some new digs behind you, I see. That's right. And, you know, I'm, I'm uh, seeing how I fit in on the, let's see, I, can, I don't know which way to move my head, which way works. There we go. The SEC now, you see, I'm trying to see how I fit in on the, on the, in their, uh, their studio, just seeing how we look, you know, if that day ever comes, I just wanted to see what it looks like on us. So <laughs> I think it looks great, man. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Speaking of the SEC studios, today is happy birthday to the SEC network launched nine years ago today. Can you believe it's been nine years? Not only can I not believe it's been nine years, I can't believe we went as long without the SEC network as we did. Can you imagine living without the SEC network now during football and basketball season, especially? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, as as a Vanderbilt fan, you know, let's say 10 years ago, uh, 10, 11 years ago, whatever, you know, living in Florida, trying to catch Vanderbilt games, bordered on impossible pre-SEC network. Now, living in Louisiana, even if it is Vanderbilt playing South Carolina State, I still can get it on the SEC Network Plus. SEC Network is a beautiful, beautiful thing for a lot of us fan bases there aren't that aren't Tennessee, Alabama, LSU, Georgia. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, great network. I, I love being able to watch Paul Feinbaum. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. So Absolutely. many of us have listened to him for years. Yep. And now we, we actually get to watch and sometimes he'll have his guests in studio. And and that's always a treat. So happy birthday, SEC yes. Network. Nine great years. We are looking forward to many, many, many more years. But Absolutely. that's not the only birthday we're celebrating today. Oh, that's Darren. right. One of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play college football is celebrating his 36th birthday today. Happy birthday to Tim Tebow, a competitor, unparalleled. What fun it was. Even as an LSU fan, I'm saying it was so much fun to watch Tim Tebow play football. Yeah, you you can't. I I don't care if you are the most staunch of Florida hater. You cannot deny what he did on the field. Uh, and even if it didn't translate the way uh, he and every fan of his hoped it would on the pro field, even though I think, you know, outside of his release and some issues like that, he still accomplished some pretty incredible things on the NFL field as well, uh, winning playoff games and stuff. But in, in spite of all of that, you cannot um, you cannot deny what he did on the college football field. It, it was absolutely incredible and amazing to watch. It really was. Legend status, Tim Tebow, one of the great players and a a great person uh, in addition to being a great player. And, and, you know, uh, just a little Tim Tebow, absolutely irrelevant trivia to anything but us. You know, he he was one of the first people we talked about when we first started doing this podcast three years ago. He was on our very first episode. We talked about his uh, not only his quarterback play, but his faith uh, as part of our conversation. So. That's pretty yeah. fun. He's he's been a consistent part of of our podcast for for go, starting three years now. Well, that's a that's a great person to be a part of the discussions that we've been having since the beginning. Absolutely. 
Speaking of quarterbacks, we have news about another former SEC quarterback, another great Peyton Manning from Tennessee, and he is now going into education as a professor. So, so Darren, he's going to Knoxville to teach. And respecting the fact that we have Tennessee fans, I'm going to leave every joke that's on the table alone. <laughs> I'm just not. I'm going to leave it alone because I do very much like Peyton Manning, no, no matter what, no matter who he played for. But, yes, he is going to join the College of Communication and Information as a professor of practice beginning actually this fall as the semester. I assume their semester probably begins in the next couple of weeks. Uh, he's going to be um, – an expert lecturer, I think, is the title I read and a couple of saw in a couple of different places. He's not necessarily going to have a class that he walks in and teaches every single day, but throughout the College of Communication and Information, he's going to have be in different classes at different times, almost as like a guest lecturer, but it's a permanent position or or at least a, a full time position however that all works out and and i you know he, he had a pretty good quote he said i look forward to working with the college's talented faculty and directly with students in an effort to ensure they are well prepared for their future careers and you know not only does he have all the stuff he's doing with commentating and with him and his brother and the nfl stuff but you know i think uh it's the name of the company big head productions i believe that he and his brother run that they do a ton of that's who is the executive producer of their uh, Monday night show that they do on ESPN. His company is actually the executive producer of that. So he's got a lot to offer in, in that, in that field for sure. Do you think he actually said that or did his publicist write that? I, I would um, assume it was well-crafted and he signed <laughs> off on it, which if you're going to be an expert lecturer in the college of communication and information, that's one of the first things you're probably going to be teaching them. <laughs> he, he's a, he's, he's a great personality, a great yep. speaker. Yep. Uh, years ago, uh, not that long ago, he came to Northwest Louisiana to speak at a banquet that honored the, the best high school athletes in the area. And oh, that's right. I got a ticket to go because my son was invited. That was his senior year playing football. And, and, uh, and I got a ticket to go because your son was invited. That's I, I was I there know. at that one too. <laughs> and is that where the idea for the podcast was born? I, I think it was at least the starting point. It's got to be. I think <laughs> if we were able to trace it back. <laughs> but one of the things, if you remember about that night being in the room with Peyton Manning was he was so down to earth and so personable. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. You great, can definitely told see great stories. Incredible stories. <laughs> definitely. So we wish Peyton Manning uh, the best as he delves into college teaching. Just taking on one more thing. And we have news about a former quarterback who is now a head coach, and that's Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> and you're already chuckling, Darren, because typically yeah. when someone says we have news about Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> it's not going to be good. And it's not going to be boring, though. You can say that, too. <laughs> Coach Harbaugh's gotten in a little bit of trouble with the NCAA. Supposedly, they had reached a deal on a penalty. He was going to be suspended for the first four games of this season. But the NCAA has said, nope, we're looking into this further. And they even issued a, a particular quote here that you have up on the screen, Darren, if you want to go ahead and share that. And this is from Derek Crawford, the NCAA vice president of hearing operations. He says the Michigan infractions case is related to impermissible on and off campus recruiting during the COVID-19 dead period and impermissible coaching activities, not a cheeseburger, <laughs> which it's a pretty interesting quote. I don't know exactly what the reference to the cheeseburger is, but uh, you know, the things that I've read, I mean, this has been some pretty, you know, they had people um, going on visits where visits were supposed to, weren't supposed to take place. They had people um, too many, too many assistants on the field. Uh, people that were supposed to be off the field analysts were on the field coaching. They were uh, using in weight room, in weight room cameras to, to zoom watch, uh, workouts during a time when no coaches were supposed to be involved. It's a pretty lengthy list of what's going to end up looks like being some pretty serious things. Yeah. There's a difference in a cheeseburger and a cheeseburger in paradise. Evidently <laughs> this is of the 
the latter variety, the cheeseburger yes. in paradise, much more Absolutely. significant. And if I understand this correctly, Darren, one of the level one violations that Harbaugh is being charged with is his unwillingness, a lack of cooperation to work with the investigation. Yeah. And, and you would think anybody that's been involved in coaching on the college level, no matter it's D1, D2, D3, all you have to do is watch what happened to Bruce Pearl. And you should be able to go, oh, wait, no, yes, here's what I did. Here's what happened. How can we move past this? Because all you do is make it worse. I mean, you know, Bruce Pearl ended up in a, in a very unfortunate circumstance for a couple of years that was all based on the fact that when he was caught red-handed, he didn't just say, yep, that was me, my bad. How do we fix this? He, he tried to, no, it didn't happen. And, and, and Harbaugh is apparently following that, play, that playbook and, I don't think it's going to work out well since the plea deal or, or the agreement, the suspension agreement has already fallen apart before it even took place. Yeah. You want to work with the NCAA in these yep. cases. It's, it's kind of like taking on the IRS. It never ends well. Yeah, that's exactly. And when they already have the information and, and the stuff goes public, it, it becomes a them saving face thing and they're going to go after you hard. You might as well just own up to it and move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, that will be ongoing. It looks like that's going to cast a shadow over the Michigan football program this season. For the entire season. Be, yeah. As you, the listeners, I'm sure will be as well, watching for updates on the Jim Harbaugh case. Absolutely. Some exciting news for uh, Eli Drinkwitch. Did I say I think that's right. right? Drinkwitz. I think, yeah, I think that's right. It's Wits. W-I-T-Z, maybe. Does that sound right? Wits. Yeah. The head yeah, football yeah. coach at Missouri. Well done. Uh, the biggest signing he's had since he has been uh, with the Tigers, mm -hmm. uh, and that is getting a William Swinary, um, number one overall defensive lineman in the 2024 class. I've seen other rankings. He's number three overall. Mm -hmm. But this is a an incredible player. And there were some big schools that were coming after him, namely Oklahoma and Georgia were two of the bigger schools, along with a whole list of others that were pursuing him. Mm -hmm. And to get him to stay in state, what does this say for the Missouri Tigers football program? Well, you know, the first thing it says is, is, I mean, this is obviously probably, if not the highest rated player they've ever been able to pick up. Uh, it's definitely in their top five. I, it, it would surprise me if he's not the highest. Uh, and, and I think it says that people are buying into what's, what's out there about this team. Now, I think there's concern about how this year could look and it, that's a could create some issues if they end up seven and five and, and not having a good year. But, you know, they started out, uh, rough last year and then, you know, had some really good games and the, the, the way they played uh, Georgia, uh, that was a uh, – that got them a lot of attention was the words I was looking for there. Sorry. Uh, and so I think that really gave them some good offseason momentum, and I think you're seeing that come through in something like this because it's not just the fact that he convinced him to stay at home, but he convinced him to stay at home and not go to places like Oklahoma, Georgia, Tennessee. I mean, that's a big – Big deal. And, and unfortunately, this is a part of it, but my understanding is Missouri doesn't have just this incredible NIL thing going on right now. So there wasn't this, there most likely wasn't this enormous, you know, check that's sitting there waiting on him. I'm sure there's something, but I would assume Georgia, Oklahoma, Tennessee could probably do a, write a bigger check if that's what it came down to. So, so I don't think that necessarily played into it as much as you may see in other places. Yeah, unless they use their whole NIL budget on him. <laughs> he might be the sole person signed to their collective. <laughs> that might be how it worked out. <laughs> I have no idea about finances no. and budgets, and uh, that's no. not my – that's way above my pay grade. Yeah, me too. But it'll be exciting to see uh, his development. We also yes. have some preseason polls that have come out. Last week, the coaches poll came out, which another – Probably the more fitting description for that poll is the SID poll, the sports information director. I Absolutely. don't know how many of the coaches actually sit down. They they probably say, okay, we, we got to get this done. You take care of it. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure you do not make any dumb choices that are going to reflect back on me. Don't do anything that's going to put us in a headline. <laughs> okay? That's, <laughs> that's the main thing I need you not to do. <laughs> but today, the Associated Press preseason poll came out, and – as we would expect, uh, there are similarities and there are differences because you yeah. know they're not going to be exactly the same. 
but at the top of both polls is Georgia looking to for a three-peat this year. And they're starting out on top. Uh, Michigan coming in at two. Uh, And then we have a discrepancy. Ohio State and the AP at three. Coaches poll has Alabama at three. And then reverse uh, on the polls on that. Both polls have LSU at five. Uh, So looking through the SEC teams, uh, we have uh, Tennessee coming in, uh, a top 10 team. Uh, Remember, we're counting Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC as well. Uh, But you have a a good number here. And uh, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. So pretty good showing overall for the SEC. Yeah, and an and interesting thing is uh, specifically in the AP poll, LSU uh, at number five, that is their highest pre-se- AP preseason poll ranking in seven years. Uh, so that's that's a really nice place for them to be. I, I think it shows a lot of what what we've already talked about to some extent about the things that, that Brian Kelly has, able, has been able to do there. But I do – and I know we're not covering the Big Ten, but two things that just stand out to me is Michigan at number two in both polls. I, I don't – I can see them being top five, top five, but I don't know that I understand number two. And then the fact that Iowa could find their way into anybody's top 25 is mind <laughs> mind-blowing to me uh, I, I don't understand that at all those are the two that really stand out to me outside of the SEC and then kind of the order of the SEC uh, even if I think some may be higher or lower in the top 25 I think kind of the order of where they are that kind of makes sense but again going back to I don't know how Iowa could be so unproven and end up in the top 25 I think people are, are putting A&M where they are strictly based on the fact that you've got Jimbo uh, you know, continuing to pull the strings on such a highly uh, re- recruiting class. And then Bobby P is coming to town, you know, is already in town. And, and so I think, I think there's just some anticipation there, but as far as what's been done, I don't know that it makes a whole lot of sense for them to be in e- anyone's top 25 right now. They could change that in the first couple of weeks of the season, but not right now. As we said before, preseason polls are fun to talk about. Yep. Yep. But they're preseason polls, and exactly. they don't really mean a lot other than to create some early intriguing matchups. For example, the LSU-Florida State game is going to be magnified even more now with two teams in the top ten first yep. game of the season. The TV network is going to love that one. And, and you know, Tennessee-Alabama, both of those t- teams win the, game, win the games they're supposed to win. You know, you're looking at, at third third Saturday in October being a matchup again between two top ten teams, uh, at, which would be back-to-back seasons. And last season was the first time in a long time that had happened. So, you know, it, it, it does kind of put it in position for that to happen as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but these are great, great fun yeah. to discuss. I love these polls. I love these a lot better than the political polls. <laughs> in every way possible. <laughs> Well, we've got more to talk about, including our four SEC team previews for this week's episode. But before we get there, let's pause for this week in sports history. August 16, 2009, Y.E. Yang became the first Asian-born player to win a men's major golf championship. The 2009 PGA Championship was the 91st edition of the tournament, which featured 156 players from 18 countries. The favorite was Tiger Woods from the United States, who had won four PGA championships and 14 major titles. The tournament was played at Hazeltine National Golf Club. Woods led after each of the first three rounds and entered the final round with a two-stroke lead over Yang. Yang played a brilliant round, making three birdies and an eagle, while Woods struggled with his putting and made two bogeys. Yang took the lead on the 14th hole with a chip-in eagle and held on to win by three strokes over Woods. He became the first Asian-born player to win a men's major golf championship, the first player to beat Woods in a major when Woods had the lead after 54 holes. Oh, thank you. 
Well, let's jump right into it. We're going to talk about the defending champion Georgia Bulldogs and their preseason predictions. Let's let's talk a little bit about where Georgia is right now. Kirby Smart is returning for his eighth year, a record of 81 and 15. That's pretty hard to beat. Yeah. A 2022 record, team record of 15 and 0, 8 and 0 in the SEC. That's the third SEC team since the uh, LSU in 2019 to run the tables. Uh, pretty impressive in such a, a, a tough conference. Absolutely. Uh, their offense in 2022 was ranked fifth in the country, uh, over 500 yards passing a game. They were number one in the red zone. But their offensive coordinator, Todd Monken, left and is now with the Baltimore Ravens. So they brought back a familiar face, Mike Bobo, who previously was at Georgia from 2020 to 2022. Is this a change, Darren, that's going to disrupt the momentum at Georgia? Well, you know, I think there's very much obviously a potential when you have that large of a change when there was such an incredible system in place. But I, I also think you have to keep in mind that Kirby Smart very much is from that uh, um, that that school of thought, the same as as. Uh, uh, our old buddy Nick has it at Alabama where you can come in, you can do your things, but uh, they're still going to work within my system. And, and there's, you know, language is going to stay the same and stuff. So I would think probably some of that has gone on. But in addition to that, uh, the fan reaction, obviously everyone's reaction has been a little mixed uh, to Mike Bobo, but his resume at Georgia does include the high scoring offense in school history back in 2014 the most yards per game of any uh, offense in Georgia history in 2012. Uh, so, so his offenses ha have done well <laughs> at Georgia. It's still, I, I can understand as a Georgia fan, have a little bit of uncertainty, but I do feel like there's also some, some, the possibility that, okay, we, we at least got to give this a shot because he's not coming in and having to coach a bunch of guys up. I mean, he's coming in and putting talented guys in the right place which his history would seem to indicate he can do pretty well. So I don't know that that's the enormous concern that people are trying to make it out to be, but I do still see where it could be. A, it definitely is a concern. And another concern is who will play quarterback. Stetson Bennett is gone. Yep. And there's a appears to be a three-man race, but it looks like Carson Beck is going to get the nod yep. to be the starting quarterback for Georgia. Anytime you bring in a new quarterback, especially replacing somebody – who accomplished what Stetson Bennett did. There's always some trepidation. Do Georgia fans have a cause to be sitting a little bit on the edge of their seat, biting their fingernails? How do you think this is going to go? Well, I think there's some obvious reason for some discomfort just in simply the fact that those are two major changes at, at the same time, to lose your coordinator and your quarterback. But also, most likely, like you said, Carson Beck is the leader in the clubhouse. looks like it's going to be him. And when he's going to be throwing the ball, uh, to one of the most talented receiver rooms in the entire country and Brock Powers, eh, as long as he can get it there, they, I think they're going to be all right. <laughs> you know, you just got to get it in their hands. I mean, Brock Bowers is, is truly a, a legendary, a, a, you know, a generational talent at tight end. You've got one of the nation's top O-lines that's going to be protecting the quarterback. Could there be some fall off? Well, of course, when you have those kind of changes all that happen at the same time. But even if he's having a bad day and he's not on where he needs to be with the receivers, it, you know, Brock Bowers only drops like one in every 30 passes. <laughs> so so that's pretty that's that's a pretty good number to have. So if you can just get it to him, I think you'll be okay. A little concerning uh that like I said, with those changes where they are, but at the same time, there's just so much there, um, talent there that, that they can kind of form around him and let him grow into the game. I think they always have a, a stable of strong running backs at Georgia. This, this year is no different with the Edwards kid and the Milton kid. A absolutely. Uh, Lad McConkey is coming back at wide receiver and they've got a couple of transfers and, and Dominic Levitt from Missouri and, Ra-Ra Thomas from Mississippi Rah -Rah. State yep. that has come over. So I think the offense is going to be, be yeah. just fine. Yep. On the defensive side, you've got a defensive mastermind in Will Muschamp, who, who coaches the defense along with Glenn Schumann. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got 
as usual, some stud linebackers, uh, Shmel Mondin and Jamon Dumas Johnson and Chaz Chambliss are a couple of those. Uh, the secondary, I think, is going to be fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, we're, we're, we're looking at another loaded Georgia team yep. that has the potential to make it back to the national championship game. Yeah, and defensively, you know, anytime, even though there are some some places where you've got to plug uh, some, some new people in, when you're number one and number two, uh, tacklers from the previous year are back and are back with experience, uh, which, you know, you, you mentioned both Munden and Dumas Johnson. I mean, that was number one and number two, a total of 146 tackers, tackles between the two of them. When you've got that kind of production coming back and it looks like that your, your secondary is going to be okay, you're going to be strong. And again, when you bring that strength of defense to, uh, to the table, that can cover some, some miscues that might happen on the offensive side of the ball. Definitely. Well, let's look at their schedule and their path to a national championship. Uh, Really, to look at a a game that would carry any kind of weight, you've got to go to September 16th, South Carolina. Absolutely. Don't know what to expect there. We'll get into a South Carolina preview later. But they go to Auburn September 30th. Hugh Freeze will be looking for those signature wins. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get much bigger than beating Georgia right now. Yeah. Uh, they've got Kentucky at home. Then they go to Vanderbilt, Florida at home, Missouri at home, Ole Miss at home. And then they end uh, November 18th. They go to Tennessee where they have a six game winning streak over the Vols. And I'm pretty sure Josh Heupel is going to remind his team about that. Probably and, already is. Yeah. And then they wind up with in-state rival Georgia Tech. So when you look at this schedule, there is a real possibility Georgia runs the table. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the setup for a 12 and 0. When you look at who they play out of the West, uh, you know, there is not an LSU. There is not an Alabama. I mean, there, what it's to see Auburn, Auburn and Ole Miss. Is that their two out of the West? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, Ole Miss has the potential to be a tough game, and it, but it's at home. Uh, I would, if I were a Georgia fan, I would be a little bit more concerned about that in uh, Oxford. But I think at home, uh, that's just not that much a, a, as much of a concern as it would be on the road. Like I said, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, this is set up to be a 12-0. Uh, I, I think you can very easily see that. Very favorable schedule for the Bulldogs. Yep. yep. Well, let's move over to Lexington, Kentucky, where the talk is usually of basketball, but not of late. (laughs) The basketball is kind of underachieved. And meanwhile, Mark Stoops continues to build a solid Kentucky football program. Now, Mark Stoops doesn't get a lot of the the talk about being one of the top coaches, but it is nothing short of, I don't know how anyone cannot be impressed with the job that he has done at Kentucky and you've got people in the Commonwealth fired up about football. You have a stadium that, that is near full for home games. You don't have to go back that far in history to, to find a stadium that looked very different in terms of attendance. And yeah, absolutely. And, And, you know, not only was it empty from Kentucky people, but it wasn't a place that many people traveled for road games. I mean, it was just an empty stadium. And one of the reasons Stoops doesn't get the due, I think, get the credit he's deserved is he's in his 11th year. His record's 66-59. People look at that and be like, well, that's not that great of a record. I mean, you get fired at most SEC schools with that record. But you got to remember where he's at and where he's brought that program from. He's taken them to seven straight bowl games. That's incredible. Now, last year's record – not that great. Seven and six, three and five. They had some injuries. Mm-hmm. It didn't pan out the way they thought. Uh, they have a a returning offensive coordinator in Liam Cohen. He comes back from a, a short stint in the NFL with the Los Angeles Rams, where he participated in the Super Bowl. But with the last time he was at Kentucky, Darren, the Wildcats averaged thirty two point three points a game, four hundred twenty five point mm-hmm. five total yards offense including right under 200 yards rushing a game. Do you anticipate seeing those numbers again this year? I I really do. And as as crazy as some of these things sound to to say about Kentucky, uh, because it's just not typically the the conversation you have. I mean, think about it. 
they're getting Devin Leary, uh, who if the 2021 Devin Leary, you know, the pre last year's injury, Devin Leary shows up, uh, he can light a lot of SEC opponents, uh, absolutely light them up. Then you've got one of the best O-lines in the country. Uh, And one of the big things that was a struggle last year, or or one of the top O-lines in the conference, I wouldn't say in the country necessarily, one of the biggest struggles that that took place with the offensive line last year is they went to a new blocking scheme under the new offensive coordinator. And one of the first first things Liam Cohen did was bring back the zone blocking scheme that all of these guys were accustomed to and had learned. Uh, So there was, you know, in the spring game and in fall practice, there's been immediate returns on that. People can see a dramatic difference. So you've got an improved offensive line. You've got um, Liam Cohen back, Devin Leary coming in. They pick up a thousand yard uh, uh, rusher in Ray Davis from Vanderbilt. Uh, who has proven you open up a hole. He's not a home run guy. He's not going to all of a sudden break off an 80-yard run, but you open up a hole that looks like he should get three runs and or three yards and he could get seven to eight. Uh, and then you have on top of that a wide receiver room that a lot of the uh, the, the services like Phil Steele and, and Pick 6 Previews have this wide receiver room is one of the top 25 wide receiver rooms in the country. That's incredible for a Kentucky offense. I think there is the real potential for us to see some incredible numbers uh, out of this offense this year. I think you're right, Darren. Uh, what did Devin Leary do at North Carolina State? Oh, he threw for 62 touchdowns to what <laughs> six interceptions? Exactly. That's a, that's a pretty good ratio. That's you mentioned nice. the, the experience in the wide receiver room. Yeah. Uh, thousand yard rusher in the backfield. I, I think Kentucky may surprise a lot of people this year. Now on the other side of the of the the field is the defense. Brad White is back for his fifth year as defensive coordinator. He's been there six years, coached outside linebackers before mm-hmm. getting the DC role. But last year's Kentucky defense only gave up 19 points a game. So yeah. pretty stout defense starts with uh, on the defensive line with Dion Walker, a freshman All-American, and then some strong linebackers that are coming back, um, as well as some some transfers. You, you've got uh, J.J. Weaver coming back, uh, Devarian Rayner transferring in from Northern Illinois. If he does at Kentucky what he did at Northern Illinois, that's going to be a huge pickup. Yeah. Uh, now, they did lose some players in the secondary. That could be one of their issues but they've got a really great safety uh, in addition to um, a, a transfer coming in from um, from Cincinnati as well that will help shore up uh, the secondary. So let's look at their schedule and see their path to a possible New Year's Day or bowl championship bid. Yep. Um, of course, they've got the Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron. Then you go to at Vanderbilt. All right. So that could be an early test. Florida, they get Florida at home. Now, this is pretty murders. After the Florida game, which is always a high intensity game, they go to Georgia. That's tough. Yeah, that's that's very tough. Yeah. They've got Missouri at home before an open date. They've got Tennessee at home. They go to Mississippi State. They've got Alabama at home. Look at this. They've got Florida at home, Tennessee at home, Alabama at home. I'm sure the place is going to be rocking. I don't know if it's going to help them in the, that much in those games, but who knows? But you know what? Uh, you look at Florida, Missouri, Tennessee, Alabama, those games being at home, it sets up to – you would kind of expect them to win the Missouri game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I think it makes a Florida game a much more attainable game. I, I, we talked before in our preview that we're very concerned about the kind of year Florida could have. Uh, so that sets up. And, and, you know, I know this sounds crazy, but there are so many uncertainties with with Alabama and the quarterback room. You know, if their season had started to go off the rails because the quarterback is an uncertain thing and, they're, and they're, their offense is just not working the way they want to, that could be a fun game to watch, you know, depending on what Alabama season looks like and what Kentucky season looks like going into that game. Now, it's very possible that Alabama's bordering on undefeated, maybe just one loss and goes to Kentucky and beats them by four scores. Who knows? <laughs> you know, who knows? But I think it's at least an interesting game to watch. And I'm telling you, the Kentucky Tennessee game, specifically in Lexington, is always a challenge for Tennessee. Now, they win it 
99% of the time, I think it's been in the last 10 years, maybe Kentucky did win that game for the first time in 26 seasons or so, you know, something like that. It was an incredibly long streak, but it, it's always more times than not. It's a fun game to watch and not a blowout. Uh, and, and Kentucky gives Tennessee everything they're looking for. So I, I think um, coming off of a bye, that's an interesting game. But, man, that at Mississippi State, Alabama, out South Carolina run, if I'm Louisville, I am so excited that that's the run coming into play us at the end of the year because I think that's going to be rough. That's a rough, rough stretch. It is going to be rough. We'll see what the, the Wildcats do. They might might yep. surprise a few people this year. Well, let's move on to the Fighting Tigers of Louisiana State University. I mean, how can you not get excited for this? That's right. Oh, I hear the, where's the, the band? The band. <laughs> They're coming in behind you. <laughs> where's that coming from? The entire band is hanging out in the big helmet behind you. That's <laughs> this. This is how we do things in Louisiana. That's All right. right. That's right. I said we're going to talk about LSU on the podcast, and the band said we'll be there. Band just showed up. <laughs> <laughs> LSU comes uh, into this season with Brian Kelly in his second year, exceeding expectations in year one. He's in uh, his 20th year with a record of 179 and 76. Last year with the Tigers, 10 and four overall, six and three in the conference. Some big wins, the Alabama win, some very disappointing losses. AM, A&M uh, yeah. is one that comes to mind. Yep. Uh, Mike Denbrock returns as his offensive coordinator. The Tigers last year averaged 35 points a game, 453 yards of offense a game, and they come back with returning starting quarterback Jaden Daniels, who passed yep. for 2,900 yards last year, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions, 885 rushing yards. He led the team in rushing, 11 rushing TDs. So he was kind of a, a do-everything man on the offense, but at times – he looked a little uncomfortable in the offense and, and rushed things. So he's got a year under his belt in this system, and he's got some great receivers to throw to, Malik Neighbors and Kieran Lacey, Kyron Lacey and Brian Thomas, a tight end and Mason Taylor, a line, an offensive line that's gotten even better. And yep. I'm just going to stop talking, Darren, because everybody knows I'm an LSU fan, so I'm going <laughs> to say a lot. So give me, give me your viewpoint as a, an outsider looking in. Well, I tell you, to me, it is no secret uh, that that Jaden Daniels. That's that's the the point of emphasis that you look at. I think he has the potential this year to put the team on his back and carry them. You know, he showed some inconsistency last year, just like you talked about, which is something you would expect first year uh, in the offense. So having that year under your belt should eliminate a lot of that. And when you look at when they played Florida. Ole Miss and Alabama, a very pivotal stretch in their last year's season. During that three-game stretch, he put up 14 total touchdowns. So what he showed is no matter how high the pressure is in the situation, I can I can get this done. I just got to get more comfortable in the system and get over my get, get over the inconsistencies, which you would assume is the very thing that's happened, having that year under your belt, having a complete offseason to do nothing but work in this system. And then when you look at the fact that they had, I believe it was um, four running backs that had 45-plus carries, and all four of them are back. So, so you've got guys in the backfield that if they've got that kind of experience – not only can they run the ball, obviously, and, and are, do, are they trusted to run the ball and take care of the ball, but they can, if they were in the game that much to get that amount of carries, then they can also do things like pass block, which is enormously important because that gives him security and keeps his feet from getting as jumpy as they did during the first part of the season last year. So I, I think he's obviously the very, very key component. And I think he has the potential to do incredible things and, and open the door for this offense to do incredible things. He's put on a little bit of weight, that, uh, yep. and the offensive line is, I think, going to be stronger this year. That was a, an issue last year. Yep. On the other side of the ball, Matt House returns as the defensive coordinator. And, of course, the defense starts with phenomenal linebacker Harold Perkins, probably Harold the best Perkins. linebacker in in the country eight and a half sacks 73 tackles last year but he, he's got a, 
complemented. You've got guys like Greg Penn. You've got transfer Omar Spates from Oregon State coming over. Uh, Mason Smith, a a game wrecker, is returning on the defensive line. Huge to go along with Mecky Wingo. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Jefferson's coming over from West Virginia. Uh, so I think the secondary is going to be much, much improved uh, as, as well. So the, the, the challenge here is the expectations are so stinking high, yep. not just in Baton Rouge, but all over the state of Louisiana. Across the country. Yeah, and across the country, last honestly. Year. So how does LSU play with that kind of pressure? Last year, they didn't really have the pressure. They, they surprised right. people, but this yep. year, people are expecting it. Yeah, and, and just to go back to defense, you mentioned Omar Spates. I, I hope people don't sleep on him. To have somebody set up anchor in the middle of your defense that is a four-year starter. I, I know it was in Oregon State, and that's a different type of ball than LSU, but still, somebody that's been looking at the offenses and trying to diagnose what's going on in real time for four years, you just can't put a price on that level of, of experience. So I think that's going to be a huge, huge piece that helps out the defense. And, and to me, going back to what you were talking about, that that really is the million-dollar question. Do you – because going into this game where number five is playing number eight, you know, or, or whatever, that's – even though there was a lot of – there was pressure last year because it was your first game in a new under a new uh, head coach, there was so much talk about how far the program had gone down – but at the end of the day, you, you, the pressure was big inside the state and in Baton Rouge, but not a whole lot of people were paying attention because they didn't expect the kind of turnaround. It, it, the people that were paying attention to see what Brian Kelly could do, but not expecting you know, SEC West champions. Nobody was watching with that expectation. So now with that expectation, I, I, I think they handle it. I, I think the second year in the system is going to give them a level of comfort I think they handle it. Do they end up being SEC West champions again? Ugh, I don't know about that because it's such a tough – that's really kind of up in the air. It's such a tough division. But but I do think they're going to have another fantastic season. Let's look at the schedule that they'll be facing. A monster matchup to start the year in Florida State. They will be traveling to Tallahassee for that one. Florida State's got an outstanding team, so that's going to be an early mm-hmm. challenge. Uh Looking down in September, they go to Starkville to play Mississippi State. They got Arkansas yeah. at home. They travel to Oxford to play Ole Miss. They've got Missouri at home. They've got, or no, they travel to Missouri. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. They've got Auburn at home. One game that concerns me, a trap game, is that October 21st game against Army. With the offense that Army runs, it's going to be different from anything they've seen all year. Yeah. There's a tendency to sleep on a team like that. So we'll see how they do. Then they got an open day to prepare to travel to Tuscaloosa. If they win that game, Darren, I think they win the SEC West. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the game that decides the SEC West. And for me, the, the three biggest things that stand out is the fact that you've got to go to Mississippi State, and you just don't even know what that really is going to look like. You've got to go to Ole Miss, and you've got to go to Alabama. That's tough. Those were things that helped them help them out last year that, I mean, you are – that's an immediate uphill. That, that's mm-hmm. going to be a very difficult circumstance to, for all three of those games to be on the road. They've got Florida at home. They've got A&M at home for their final game. Hopefully yeah. this year they actually show up for the A&M game. Somebody will tell them that it's that it's happening. You are playing a game. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. So we will be watching uh, to see how LSU deals with the pressure of those expectations. Mm-hmm. Now let's go over to Starkville, Mississippi, and look at Mississippi State. The Bulldogs, or as we called them in honor of Coach Mike Leach, the Pirates. The Pirates, and we will continue to do so. Zach Arnett, defensive coordinator, who stepped in after Leach's untimely passing, he will be entering his first full season uh, with the Bulldogs. Last year they finished uh, with a record of 10-4, and 6-3 and three in the conference. They've got a new offensive coordinator in Kevin Barbe from App State, Appalachian State, where his App State team led the Sun Belt in scoring. They've got a veteran quarterback in Will Rogers, a, a really great quarterback. Absolutely. Uh, now, they lost something on offense. They lost one of their receivers, Ra Ra Thomas, to Georgia. Mm-hmm. 
but they've got some returning receivers, some transfers. When you when we look at the offense and the pieces that they have outside of Will Rogers, what, what sticks out to you, Darren? I, I tell you, the fact that they were able to get Kevin Barbie from um, from App State, he, he's seen as a, as a pretty incredible offensive mind. Uh, but it's it's going to be really different uh, when you read and listen to the conversations about Mississippi State going into this year and you hear conversations about fullbacks and tight ends. You know, that's just so incredibly opposite to anything you ever heard uh, uh, under Mike Leach. So there's obviously going to be some change there. But there's so much talent, even though they did, you know, obviously use Ra- lose Ra Ra Thomas. They, they've recruited well. They maintained the entire recruiting class. They did not lose anybody uh, that was already signed uh, after um, – after the passing of Mike Leach, so that so they brought on some incredible offensive talent. I, I think they have, a, a again, just like we were talking about with LSU, this offense at the end of the day doesn't really have anything to lose because nobody knows what to expect or are they expecting anything. They, if anything, the expectation is, oh, this is going to be bad because you hired uh, you know, a, a defensive guy to take over an air raid offense. Uh, this is going to be bad. So, so they don't really have anything to lose. Um, I think that gives them some potential to be dangerous and maybe do some things that nobody sees coming. I think I butchered Kevin's name. I, did I say Barbet and it's Barbie, right? Uh, yeah, I think it is Barbie. Okay. I, but I, it, I, looks I, like, it looks like Barbet. <laughs> so I think we're that, good I think, either way. <laughs> I, th- I think I said Barbet, and I think it must be because I was forced to eat Brussels sprouts for dinner tonight. No jokes. <laughs> So my wife's a teacher, and usually, especially at the beginning of the school year, I'm, I, hey, I'll take you out to eat. I'll make something at home. It, it's okay. We, we can do this. I'll do this. I'll step up. And she was like, no, no, I want to cook dinner tonight. And I know why she wanted to cook dinner tonight, because she loves Brussels sprouts, and Ooh. I hate them. And Me she too. cooked them. And, you know, love makes you do strange things. I I, right. for, I forced them down, and she was telling me how good they were. And I was just thinking – Lord, please notice the suffering that I am going through at this moment. I'm telling you what, that is something I can't do. I cannot eat a Brussels sprout. I don't even like the smell of them. If they're yeah. in the refrigerator, it changes. It has the potential to change my mood. I just don't wow. like them at all. It changed my ability to pronounce the name of the offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. Brussels sprouts accomplish nothing good. You just made That's the point. Right. That's absolutely nothing. Now, on the other side of the ball, you have a new defensive coordinator in Matt Brock, who coached the linebackers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they gave up 23 points a game last year. Uh, I think they run a – do they run a D alignment of a 3-2-6? Yes. So they've got some great linebackers uh, coming back. um, Nathan Watson, Jet Johnson, a a secondary with some holes to fill, quite honestly. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. and, and we'll be watching that. They they really lost some good ones. Uh, yep. But let's look at their schedule um, and their path and kind of see in, in Zach Arnett's first season. Uh, they start off with Southeast Louisiana. Don't count them out. And they've got Arizona at home. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting game to watch uh, with, you know, the, the strides that Arizona has has made. And, you know, next year they'll be making that that uh move from the Pac-12 to the Big 12 or the Big 20, whatever it's going to be called. Uh, it, it, that'll be a really uh, – it's good for them that they have it at home, but that'll, that'll be a really interesting game to watch. Hopefully they don't bring back the legends and leaders designations. Do you remember those? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Hopefully they don't. <laughs> Still don't know what that was about. Yeah. So three, they start off with three home games, um, mm-hmm. and, and then they travel to South Carolina. They got Alabama at home, uh, Western Michigan at home, and then they go to Arkansas, Auburn, before having Kentucky at home. They go to A&M, and they wind up uh, with Southern Miss and, of course, the Egg Bowl with Ole Miss, and, and they get Ole Miss at home this year. Not, not the easiest schedule no. out there, Darren. No, that's really tough. I mean, if you look at – if Arizona comes in and, and there's still a lot of uncertainty with on, on offense and defense for Mississippi State, kind of catches them off guard. And then, you know, say they lose to Arizona, they, they go into the, the LSU game one and one. I mean, there is a serious possibility that they go into their bye week two and four. 
I, I think you have to be honest about that being a realistic possibility if you're a Mississippi State fan. Now, at the same time, they could beat Arizona, uh, sneak up on South Carolina, beat Western Michigan, and their only two losses are to LSU and Alabama. And who's going to fuss? If you go into your bye week four and two and your only two losses are LSU and Alabama, that's a pretty good way to kick in and head into Arkansas and Auburn, Auburn coming out of the bye. So it has the potential to be kind of an ugly season, but they get things on the right track. It, it, you know, they could at least start out getting those four wins under their belt and, and having a, a much a better back half of the season than first half before they're by. I think a big question for me is you've got a great talent in Will Rogers. How mm-hmm. will he adapt to the changes in the offensive yeah. scheme? Yeah, I think that's the the upside is he's what is this his fifth year? Uh, you know, so he's 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 a, I think he's a COVID senior, and I think this is his sixth year uh, on the field and fifth year or sixth year playing to fifth year on the field, and, and that gives him the ability to see and process things. You don't have to worry about speed of the game, so hopefully that'll help. But I really think that is one of the biggest questions for them coming into this year. Yeah. A lot of predictions, a lot of possibilities, and yep. we leave it out on the field to see who shows up. And paper is only paper. You've got to show up and play the game. And we're getting closer and closer to the games being played every day. <laughs> Which is one reason we're making it through the stifling heat. And Brussels and the, sprouts. I was about to say, and Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Next week. Next week, we'll be doing previews for the Ole Miss Rebels, the Missouri Tigers, South Carolina Gamecocks, and Darren's beloved Vanderbilt Commodores. Because it's week zero. We're getting there. You've got a date with Hawaii. (laughs) That's right, and I can't wait. Come on, Warriors. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for watching. If you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on on one of the podcast platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you. Thank you for your support. Be sure to like us, rate us. Those things help us so, so very much. Subscribe to us on YouTube. If you've been watching the videos on YouTube, that, that just means a lot to us and helps us out so, so very much. Thank you for sharing your love of sports with us, particularly college football. And remember, we'll be back every Tuesday at 6 a.m. when new episodes drop. So until then, y'all take care. Have a great week. Thank you for making the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast your go-to sports show. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show if you haven't already. Your feedback is so important. Let us know what you think about this week's show. Send an email to brewandshavers at gmail.com or a text to our text line 318-390-3599. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for listening to the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. See you next week.